It's the Motorhead Monthly Podcast, and this month we are listening to the album March or Die, recorded in 1992 in Music Grinder Studios, Los Angeles, California, and in the UK album charts, its peak position was 60. Some good stuff on this album. We're getting into the 90s now, a different sound. This is the last Phil Taylor album, Filthy Phil Taylor, who is accredited as playing on this, but actually didn't. More on that as we get into the episode. Yeah, I don't think there's anything much more to say apart from there's no album cover description because I lost that file. <laughs> it's and it's a shame because it's like probably the worst album cover as well. And also I had a problem with Cubase when I was in this that was only playing on my left speaker, so it may not be as loud as it is. But hey, we all listen to my head constantly. We're all deaf in one ear anyway. Just take it out one ear and put it in the other. Enjoy this episode of the Motorhead Monthly Podcast, available on all those podcast streaming places and also on Twitter as Motor Monthly and on Instagram as Motorhead Monthly. Thanks. Yeah, the image on the back is like the iconic picture of Lemmy. It's what's on the, the best of CD, which is the first Motorhead CD I got, so... Personally iconic, but I've seen I've seen it used in quite a few different places. But it's the whole like like denim look, yeah. No shirt, <laughs> warts and all. Literally, yeah. <laughs> Handlebars and warts. Yeah. Let's get onto this album. I'm excited to listen to it. I feel like I'm going to be reminded of some absolute classics on this. What's our track number one, man? Stand. Do you want to tell the folks at home what you discovered on the back of the LP? It's quite cool to me. Yeah. I think it's I'm, a cool idea, yeah. I think it's a dead cool idea. Like we've said before on this when we've been talking about the other albums, since they've gone to the four-piece lineup, that we're not entirely sure who does Who's what. Who's doing what? On the records. And in this, there's a handy little key <laughs> beside, the, um, beside each of the song titles where... There's a little symbol, and it'll tell you who played the guitar solo. What are the song. symbols? So, Matt puts down his beer. Thing. <laughs> um, so, there's a little cowboy hat. <laughs> okay. And that indicates that Wurzel played the solo. Nice. I don't get why, but there's a Star of David, but I can guess <laughs> why. And that's... <laughs> Is it an actual Star of David? Yeah. <laughs> are you sure? Yeah. Let me have a look. Let me see this. Oh, you vey, it is a star of David, yeah. <laughs> and that indicates that Zoom <laughs> or Phil Campbell. Is Phil Campbell Jewish? <laughs> I don't think they have Jewish people in Wales, do they? 
Good for him. (laughs) Anyway, and then there's a tiny symbol of there's like a revolver and like a flower, and that's like some like I don't think he was very well known. Yeah, Uh, some other lad he found on the streets. Yeah, yeah. come and play a few songs for us, kid. We'll get to that. (laughs) So that song, uh, stand. I don't like I that. Really like it. I, I did it's... not like that at all. There's there's this annoying thing about like nineties metal where like they were getting such grief for like their oh it's it's all like long hair devil worshipping shit like and Tipagore's kicking off and there's all the drugs and death so they're like, Okay, well let's start doing some more positive stuff to influence the kids. Like Alice Cooper did a lot of it and it's just shit <laughs> it is i don't listen to this music to be inspired like by life like quotes and like everything's gonna be okay often i listen to it to be inspired by fuck everybody you're doing fine go start a fire and kill someone it's a bit of that it's that's like what stand I up stand up for yourself go and do uh, something it's, it's about the, the lyrics and the mash of that horrible clean 90 guitar sound of that it's just it felt too wholesome i wouldn't say me. it's it's more polished it sounds there's less of the there's a bit less distortion and everything and it's a bit more polished like i'll give it that but it's a nice it's a it's a quick stompy foot opener and oh speaking of stompy feet um tommy aldridge from ozzy osbourne's band is playing drums on this and we'll have to go through yes see who is playing drums so we should mention this at the top so we don't bring it okay so phil campbell uh, Phil Campbell, Phil Taylor, Phil Taylor is is gone at this point because he shows up to records and he's just not very good. So what happens to a musician when they just stop being good at their instruments? How does that happen? I don't know. I don't know if it's because with drumming it's a bit more physical. It's like is he so you being think he was just more... like he's been worn down from like years of the road and maybe some accidents maybe because well, in the guts and the glory, I'm sure. Let me say he's like firing Phil was the hardest thing he had to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that relates to the first time, or, or I think Phil left the first time. But I think this time he was fired. They mentioned um, in the studio book how like he kind of... He came back because he needed to, not because he wanted to. Like He just needed to make yeah. a living. Like And when you're in a situation where like, it's like hanging your head when you come back, you don't mm. want to be there, and then you've got to power these power things. And yeah. Bad situation, man. Yeah, apparently from... From what I've seen on it, it's more that he just couldn't keep up. Like, they couldn't get through a song without having to stop or without there being some some major fluff on it. Mm. Or Apparently, the excuse he would use is what he was improv it, but he just didn't know what the drum pattern was. So he just forgot on it. He, couldn't, he could only do his basic, and they were trying to do, like, different things. They were trying mean, to evolve the sound. Yeah, because, I mean, this is, this is quite basic, and there's not anything majorly... Like all over the place on the drums, it's all fairly straightforward throughout all the record. I think it does miss. I think they do miss Phil, like with the drums on this, because like Orgasmatron, the drumming's solid, but the fills and the elaborate bits and the bits that go really nuts, it's missing. Yeah, from some songs on this, and it this record is a bit up and down because they are changing between drummers. It's changing sounds on on certain bits. I, I like songs on this album, but I think the way it's put together, that will come across mm. probably quicker than you realise. <laughs> um, there's problems with it, um, but I I quite like Stand. It's it's a good, it's a good like nineties metal. Just just stand up for yourself. Go and do something. It's nice and quick. It's three minutes. 
Well, three and a half minutes done. No, no. Didn't tick any of my boxes, I'm afraid. Moving on. And is that it? Uh, <laughs> like, I don't no. want to sit here bad-mouthing it because it's not what I want to do. But I just really did enjoy it. <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you what the next song is. We'll just play it. All right, then. See if you can figure out. Cat Scratch Fever. Yeah. What's he mean? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Okay, so this raises the unfortunately interesting question of separating the arts from the artist. Ted Nugent, absolute prick, huge massive tosser, bellend. massive <laughs> fucking moist bellend, wrote a good riff, you know? I don't like Ted Nugent. I don't like it's, Ted Nugent, I don't it, like Cascotch Fever. It's nothing I'd listen to, but like when I hear it, like, yeah, that's, pretty, that's, that's good, that's fine, I like that, you know? I, I've... You know, he was so, he's such a bad dude. <laughs> and even in terms of music, he was bad with his people. Like he, has he, he like made a bit? I remember reading somewhere. I don't know if it was like bollocks or not. Where he he made amends and he was like, no, no, I'm not a right wing good nut anymore. It's like I've not read that. I I wouldn't believe it. I, I, might made it. Made I think it he's too deep into it. You know, he's been to the White House a few times, and he. But yeah, aside from that, uh, Lemmy wanted to do this because the studio said like you need to do a cover. And I don't know why they said that covers drive sales, whatever. And this one they chose, and they said no, but he fought for it because he liked the song and he thought it'd be easy to do a motorhead version of it. It's got that classic Chuck Berry rock and roll influence that Lemmy likes. I think yeah. that's why he fought so hard to do it. I like it. I just don't like the song, and to its placement on the album as well is really bad because it just you've got this. Even though you hate it, you've got this this song that like. It sprints out the gates. It's really quick going mm. forward, and everything. And then it's just it finishes like dun 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 dun, dun and then dun 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 dun, dun <laughs> and it just slows. It slows the album to an absolute halt. It's the thirty-second best hard rock song of all I time. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with well, that. I can name tell he tell VH1 that. I can name thirty-three better hard rock songs than. <laughs> I don't think we're going to come to an agreement there. Are no, we? It's so, just, so what? It, what is cat scratch fever? Something that you get from the pussy cat living next door. I think it, it's it's about the the blossoming of youth into horny teenageness. Women are sexy cats, and men are scratched by them while they're trying to have sex with them. From what I understand, I don't know. Rock and roll metaphors are quite weird. I don't. I don't like it. Someone, someone out there probably likes this version. But it's I, not. I'm it's not nothing dangerous. I feel no pain. I've got the choo-choo train. <laughs> you know when you get it, you're going insane. 
that makes a grown man cry, cry. Oh, won't you make my bed? Perhaps one best left for the annals of time. And not to be reevaluated now. Long cause of the H1. <laughs> What's next? Uh, Bad Religion is next. Bad Religion were, of course, big Mohead fans, though this has nothing to do with this song. <laughs> That song to me is classic Motorhead. When you say classic Motorhead, you think like you know Ace of Spades, Bomber, uh, uh, you know the the hits. But that that's like the theme and the sound and the the vile it's, the Motorhead that I like. It's a really like chuggy riff, and yeah. it's, the lyrics are full with with vitriol. But it's like one of the smart lyrics as well. It's I, I've you know I've said many times I've I've got a lot of love for like the silly e as a shag stuff. Like, that's all great, but like. I spit in the eye of Satan and I will spit in thine. You know, it's fuck yeah, man. I, it's just like the, the 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 line evangelistic Nazis. It just that strikes a chord. Like he's not fucking around with this one. Yeah, if there be such a being, then thou art Antichrist. Turn men against their children. Turn beauty into vice. Almost saying how religion can distort your view of reality. Yeah, and everything like like there's there is a lot of this going about. In the eighties and like early nineties, about we were just talking about it about how many songs are written about like TV evangelists, mm-hmm. which don't seem to really be a thing nowadays. <laughs> so I always thought that would be a much bigger threat to my conscious when I was younger <laughs> than it actually turned out to be. It still happens in America, and you know, in the South, people are susceptible to this kind of stuff. But yeah, but they're not they're not on TV preaching. We need more money to buy. We need more money to buy. Dude, uh, there's still out there. There was that guy who was, he was on last year. He was like, we need money to buy me a bigger plane so I can I just go get back around to quicker and not have to be around people when I'm worshipping Jesus in the air. It's a South Park episode that's like aged quite badly with Starving Marvin. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> we need your dollars to buy photon torpedoes for our, our spacecraft. Kelly <laughs> Struthers has an XR7, which is apparently impairable. To... Now, they have dilithium crystal shields on their <laughs> spaceship. And we need and to goes, I don't know what the our... fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> But yes, uh, uh, but it's it's five minutes. It's the third song. It's five minutes. It's five. It is five minutes. It does go on quite a bit. But there are there are some really nice like music because 
the last couple of albums, like Lemmy seems to have not done that much for his bass. Whereas on this record, there are some really nice like bass rolls mm-hmm. and things, and you can hear them at the tail end of all the riffs and everything. And he's he seems to be like branching out a bit more on like compared to the last two albums, I think. Um, but I think it's the four piece lineup as well where they're giving Phil and Wurzel like equal footed. It's not like right who's gonna do the solo on this. It's well we'll put Phil solo there and Wurzel solo there. They like they're not limiting themselves. Yeah, makes to, everyone happy. Yeah, but not, then it drags the song out for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, they're not limiting the three piece lineup. They're expanding it to make the most of the four piece like yeah. they got, especially having two guitarists. Good like a nice drum sound, uh Still nice. Tommy Aldridge. Tommy Aldridge he's been yeah. on I don't think we said on the on the last song he was on that as well. I think he's on the majority he's on of the size. He's on them all apart from in Iron Sky. Uh let me said that Tommy Aldridge was the loudest drummer he ever played with. Said, the power that he came down on those drums with. He said it actually like moved every time they had to stop and reset and even though it's quite slow you can hear that he's really hitting those yeah, things. There's good power to it and that that power drives home the message, I feel, you know, even though it is like a soul song, it's like it's like we need to be angry about this. But it can't all be a politicals. What Jack the Ripper's next? What the fuck's Jack the Ripper? If you hit the start of it. It's kind of one that's got lost in the shuffle. Well let's see if I jog this loose the memories. memory of that is it's one of the few early days of Lemmy doing different pitches and things which I always like Just, it sticks out as like a musical memory yeah it's they try and again this might be why people don't like this because it's trying to make the chorus like it's trying to put more of a hook yes in there well, uh, the what's his name, Pete Soli, the producer, said like the intention for this album was to be much more musical. So, like the way he described it as like when it was, it was time to do a guitar fill, he's like, well, why not use a piano? Why not do something different? Yeah. Let's see what we can mess around with and get out here. And I think there was like Lemmy didn't like this album, but Pete Soli was dead happy with it. Yeah, I mean it's reaching the compromise. Like I think we discussed before that about engineers roles on album albums like i i think you work with the engineer to get the best so the best songs for the album rather than the engineer work for you that's my that's mm-hmm. my sort of thing of it whereas i know a lot of people will disagree and say no no the engineer is working for you you do and he well you say and he will do yeah um but I like I like some of the some of the touches on this. Like as as you say that that chorus hook, 
It's like you'll never see the face of the man in the window, but it's you'll never see the face of the man in the window. Mm-hmm. And it, it just adds, a, like, just those little things that make a difference and yeah. it produces that hook and makes it more memorable, even though it, it's pretty much, it's a very much a, a mid-album. It's filler. Yeah, it's it's filler, but it's got a few hooks in there and it's got a few things to keep The it breakdown interesting. was interesting, yeah. I don't like the breakdown just because I think it goes on <laughs> a bit long. I didn't say I liked it, <laughs> that it was interesting, and it was. That's that's like when you're trying to be nice about yeah. something. And it's like, that, well, that was interesting, that film. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, well, mm-hmm, still going, okay. But I, I remember this next song, and I remember liking this next song a lot, and it's it's built Lemmy a... Uh, uh, I was going to say it's, gonna build, it's built him a pool, but it hasn't, because he lives in a flat. Lived. Oh. Ain't no nice guy. It's like when the Beatles used to sit down to write songs, they said, right, lads, let's write the pool. That goes up at the end, and that's more what I was saying than the last time. But you don't expect the ending. It's very Beatles, especially with like the strings and stuff. It's got a lot of layers to this. Mm. It's quite a simple song as well, but they've just added bits in here and there, and it just it makes the song the song a lot greater than its parts. They mentioned in the studio book how uh, Ozzy comes in and does his one take, and you go like, "Oh, that didn't sound." Are you right with that Ozzy? He said, yeah, we'll just double it. And then when he doubled it, it's like, oh yeah, that's the Ozzy sound because he always does that. And then when Lemmy does it as well, it adds like, he's singing like a different register to it so it gives it a different tone. Great, musically great song. That's the thing as well. When when a lot of these collaborations, you hear about them and you're like, oh, such and such has done that he's guested on this and then it turns out to be a bit flat and doesn't really work. Like this, this really works. Like it, it's, it's good in the first verse where Lemmy singing, and then just Ozzy comes in on that second yeah. verse, and it's like, oh, just want this, this really, really something special. Yeah, and the, the piano just flows in there nicely, and then they save those strings to the last minute. It's beautiful, great song. It's it real downer though. <laughs> it doesn't have the the cheerful optimism of the "fuck you" message that I like in my Motorhead stuff, but sometimes you need the downer songs. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta experience all the emotions, man. You know. I mean, it's, it's, it's him looking back at what are we on at the minute? Uh, twenty. No, is it fifteen years at this point? This is ninety-two. 15? Yeah. So ten albums. About seventeen years at this point, isn't it? But we know it's a bit longer and a bit with Hawkwind and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like looking back and it's like you know I used to think it was great, and now I look back. 
And you know what? I was a prick. <laughs> <laughs> it just takes a certain kind of guy to admit that, man. It's uh, very admirable. But there's a few there's a few differences in um, personnel on this track. Um, so the well, it's they both kicking at the same time, really. It's like as we alluded to before that that little revolver with the the flower logo it's yeah. that little known guitarist um <laughs> slash <laughs> slash mckenzie if you weren't aware yeah big old slasher yeah to to drive home the point again which another thing why people might think it's selling out where it's the whole it's the whole thing like ladies and gentlemen mr burt Bacharach. <laughs> it's like it's like oi slash <laughs> so just in case you didn't know he um he plays a guitar solo on this. It will be shouted at you before he does. So. I'm not a Guns N' Roses guy. You're Guns N' Roses no, guy. No. I'm not, but I can appreciate can Slash for what he does. Like, apparently, he just like came in with his amp, plugged his amp straight into the deck, and just did it one take. That's fair. I've heard a f- I've heard a few stories about Slash where they couldn't really get this, on Appetite for Destruction. Like they won't get the sound right until they got a particular combination of that iconic Sunburst Les Paul. And a few different amps and everything, but it's even listening to it. It's obviously like him. Like mm-hmm. he, he's, it's one of those sounds. It's just like yes, that's that's his playing. sound. But yeah, it, as you say, it just seems so effortless. But I think there's been a lot of work in getting to that point. That's but once what it's great to do, it's, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and Phil Taylor. Phil Taylor, this. last last ever, I guess. Because he never came back. He never came back. I mean, he's he's played with them on and off for various things. Like, he's in the, the Ace of Spades uh, classic albums documentary, isn't yeah. he? And he played some stuff on that, which is a bit... We'll have to watch that another time, where they have a weird yeah, a hologram. hologram. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is dead weird. I mean, it's a shame that he goes, but, I mean, he doesn't do a lot on this song. No. It's very basic and everything, and maybe that's. I'm not. One saying... could argue that this is almost about Lemmy writing a song for Fulty Taylor. Oh, yeah, cause it's like, like I don't know where we're mates practically. Brother's been doing this for a long time, but at the end of the day, this is my band. This is my living. This is my purpose, and you're getting in the way of me fulfilling my purpose. I, I'm so yeah. I'm sorry that I have to do this, but. I'm also not sorry because I need to do this and you're the one who's at fault here and hey, I never claim to be a nice guy. It's rough to think of it like that, isn't it? I'm, I'm pretty sure he didn't mean that, but we can speculate we wildly, can speculate. can't we? So let's get the next song on. Actually, see what we can... I think now's a good time to raise the issues with the record company on this. Okay. So there is a video right? Yeah. for this, which was filmed... Quite cheaply, but I mean, when you've got a video to, where you've got you have to finance it themselves, the record company wouldn't yeah. do it. Yeah, but when you've got a video with it's it's the video with Ozzy and Lemmy playing together. Yeah. I does slash is slash in the video? I can't remember. I'm pretty sure he is. And but it was it was doing well on radio, and they wouldn't release it to the radio. So these the the album people had to get in touch with radio stations, say where did you get this from? We didn't give you this. Don't play it. It's ridiculous because they withheld playing the video over it, and it's. It's right. I'll say it now before we go through the rest of the album. Either this, or there's one other song which can be considered the t- the big takeaways from this album, because mm-hmm. they uh, there'll be an argument about that later. But arguably, I think this is the best song in the album by far. It's a collaboration which wouldn't usually work, and to be honest, Ozzy and Lemmy's vo- vocals they don't go together. But because of the type of song it is, it works. 
But the excuse for not putting it on the radio and everything, and when you look into it more, it's suspected that Sony did this on this WTG label to use it as a tax loss, mm. and that this was never meant to do anything or be anything of merit. This was meant to be like just another album to put up to put out that because they could write off and it's such a shame about it and like this it was so hard to get a copy of this album on LP because it's never been reissued (laughs) as well so that that tells you everything you need to know I think about what Sony thinks of this album that every other album even like Rock and Roll even like Iron Fist even the, the albums that didn't do well at all and are considered like really not very good albums they've all been re-released this yeah. hasn't so sony refused to give them money to make a video Lemmy, i said we'll do it ourselves he took out about eight thousand dollars of his own money got ozzy and slash to be in the video and then gave it to mtv but they said well we can't do anything until sony sign off on it and it took them three weeks to, to sign, sign off. off on the release and, to, you know, to by that promote point, yeah and our and i was doing well on radio profit then so yeah just funny business man funny business just assholes yeah <laughs> But yeah, just not again. It's just a, an unfortunate story to go along for that song. But if you take the song on its own merit, it's great. And it's the video. The video is nothing special. It's just them playing the song basically. But to see to see those Ozzy and Lemmy people, together, yeah. like doing a song together, and that that doesn't happen now. And when it does happen, it never lives up to the hype. Mm. But I think this one does. It's one of the few that does. All right then, shall we uh, flip the disc? Let's flip the disc. Flip the disc. And we'll be right back with uh, Hellraiser. says something about me that I'm like a huge Motorhead fan and a big B-movie geek and I never put those two things together that this was for the movie Hellraiser. For Hellraiser 3. Oh, for Hellraiser 3? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. for Hellraiser 3. <laughs> so was the first Hellraiser like, like less silly than the third one? Like, yeah, that's usually yeah. how it goes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's... Because um... all I know from Hellraiser is the new music video for this song. <laughs> like, I, I love... The first two Hellraiser movies, I think they're fantastic, and then there's like, I think five and six are okay, from what I've seen. I haven't seen them all, but like this is where Hellraiser went. I like the Hellraiser discussions for a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, be movies to go wrong any. 
Hellraiser sort of turned into a bit of it turned into like Pinhead kills everyone yeah. rather than the Cenobite and Pinhead punishing the um, the people who deserved to be punished. Really, um, someone will probably correct me. How about uh, the fact that there are two songs on this that would be used in movies, kind of? Kind of used. Kind of. Oh yeah, and you know what I'm talking about, don't you? I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. It's a bit. The thing I always find a bit odd about this is the fact that Armored Saints. Yes. Uh, in Hellraiser 3. <laughs> the band Anthrax but, could have been. Ooh, ooh there you go. Um, no, it's like Anthrax. Yeah. The fast. Yeah, The Bush years of Anthrax are my favourite years of Anthrax. There, I said at the internet, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. Anyway, there is a cool scene in Hellraiser 3 where it. this the thing. This is why it doesn't fit. Like, pinheads shouldn't be going into a nightclub and killing everyone okay. listening to <laughs> Armored Saints. Like, it's not about that. But anyway, that happens in the film, and it's probably one of the best scenes in the film. And Armored Saint, rather than being like, oh, shit, there's someone killing everyone in the crowd, they just carry on playing, if I remember. But yeah, I I like this this song. I know there's going to be the debate coming up over which version is better. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I don't know if it fits better, because originally it's written for Ozzy. But no. I think it does work with Lemmy. As well, but I don't know which one I prefer. No, to me, it's classic. To me, it's it's Mohead's song. For yeah, me. I think uh, the is the the Ozzy Osbourne version out there. Yeah, it's yeah. a little more to it. All right, okay. Yeah, I must have heard it down the line there. What's this quote here from uh, Rolling Stone? Uh, when I was writing with Ozzy, his manager just sent me a tape and I put it on, and it was him going eh like that, and then you have to figure out the words that will fit. It took 10 minutes, I think. We did Hellraiser for a while. The trouble was you slowed it down for me to reach some notes. And then we had it sped up again. So that's why it sounds so slow. I don't know if Ozzy liked my version of the song. He never said. Hmm. There you go. We'll never know. I don't know. It's a fine song. It's a a cool song. Yeah, it's alright. The only thing, I think it's surpassed by Born to Raise Hell. Yeah. On on Bastards, which is... To be honest, I prefer this, but that's all. Mm. They can't put both of those songs in the set. Born to Raise Hell was in a movie as well. But but the lyrics are dead cool with this, aren't they? Because it's 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 a song about tour and everything. It's not necessarily about yeah yeah about hell and everything. But it's like Joe, I'm I'm gonna come to the show. Living on an endless road around the world, rock and roll. Sometimes it feels so tough, but I still ain't had enough. Keep saying that it's getting too much. But I know I'm a liar. Yeah, he's, just, that's Lemmy, isn't it? Just he's so iconic. From that point until the day he died, it's like, yeah, I'm just going to keep doing this. Yeah, because I think, even though it's written for Ozzy, it's more about Motorhead than it is yeah. Ozzy. I think that's why I prefer this. But the video is awesome. Playing poker with Pinhead. <laughs> yeah, and sure, then there's a twist so. where you think he's going to, but he gets the Ace of Spades before, and then he gets the Joker card, which I probably have to assume it's a wild card and the. The yes, can, the can we move on now, <laughs> please? Anyway, he beats Hellraiser, he beats Pinhead of Poker, and it stops the Hellraiser, and everyone goes home happy. Track number seven, uh, Asylum Choir. Weird title. <laughs> Thank you. 
so asylum uh, quiet. It's a weird title, isn't it? It is. I, I kind of get where they're going. I what don't... the hell's this song about? It's just back over masses. Strike yeah. of a man in the asylum. Okay, yeah. Uh, and the choir of voices chanting the same name. The sky, the sky, it's crushing you. The walls, the walls, touching you too. Yeah, and that, that cool uh, double effect on that makes it sound like it's in a padded room as well. Yeah, yeah. no mention schizophrenia. Obviously not the proper definition of schizophrenia, but two personalities. The sky, the sky. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like this. So it's, it's a bit like... Um, the other song on the album that's a bit like this Jack the Ripper mm-hmm. where they've they've added a few more things to make the chorus have more of a hook yeah and I, I, I think it works especially with the um, the way the guitar feeds into it a lot of good musical stuff going on there um, a, a very deep song I think my brain wasn't ready for it I was just expecting some, some more classic rock and roll it's uh, yeah, um, I know, it's definitely just a, again a bit like Jack the Ripper again. It's just a track that's in the middle of the album, <laughs> unfortunately. But it's a, it's a good it's filler, but it's I I quite like it. It's, it's some nice riffs and some nice um, some nice. I'm just trying to think what kind of playlist I'll put that on, man, because it is quite it was heavy not musically, but in terms of depth and reminds me a bit of not talking very catchy. Head. Yeah, in terms of the way the the pre-chorus is sort of built up, I I like it. I like it. I think it's a. I think it's a cool album track. It's a filler, nonetheless, but still like out of a lot of the filler we've heard, like one of the better ones. It's good to be trying new stuff. Is that all you got to say? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got much to say about the song. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. But I've got a lot to say about the next song though. So let's listen to that. song it's such a good little like difference yet still motorhead song like when you throw my motorhead when i'm throwing my motorhead playlists together and i get to this like i want to break from pace i'll put that in there it's not the stuff i listen to you know i don't listen to love ballads by metal bands you know it's that's not me but it's such uh, it tells the story of what it is so well and this like this the idea that writing these songs is simple but like the the art of it is to make it sound simple, like "Too Good to Be True" is a fine title, but like the the, the actual chorus is "Cold and Lonely Without You," 
I, how does that not strike a chord with anyone? I, I'm an emotionless, dead inside bastard, and that still strikes a chord with me. It's like, oh, poor guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I like the music. I like this. The solo fits in there so well. It's a proper like hair metal solo from um, yeah, from Wurzel on this, but it it just. It but it also still sounds like it could have been an old Chuck Berry number. That's like it, like why he. I think that's why Lemmy keeps putting those uh, like double vocals on because it's like yeah. the, the guys in the back clicking along. Yeah, yeah. That's why it. That's it. Brings the chorus up mm-hmm. a lot more because the the verses are very they're barky. It's it's that motorhead bark. Da, 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 yeah. da. You could do the song like at that speed, and I would still like you could do it as a punk cover, and I yeah. think this would sound pretty fucking cool. Yeah, I, th- I don't think you'd have to change much to make it a punk cover. Yeah, we should all. work on that. That's a good yeah. idea. <laughs> but damn, dude, it's so good. Just looking at the lyrics, and I've gotten a whole new appreciation for the song that I always really appreciate anyway. She painted inspiration onto my fractured soul. Which you don't hear in the song because he sings it as she painted inspiration onto my fractured soul. I was never sure she knew. It just goes so quick that you don't appreciate it. And that's the same verse that ends with the night she left, she killed the heart inside of me. This lyrically, this is boom boom. That's like the, the quick two punch of sorrow there, isn't it? Yeah, like this is this is a step up. Definitely, I mean, nineteen sixteen had some good lyrics and everything, but this is definitely a step up from things yes. like rock and roll. The the the, the lyricism, like the, the the genius of the lyricism, like the the craft of the spirit of writing, while also writing four songs for someone else at the same yeah, time. Apart from, I mean, two of which are one of the greatest songs ever. I mean, one looking of which back, I'm gonna count this during the next song but apart from stand where stands <laughs> it says <laughs> it's just looking at the lyrics it stand 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 stand, stand. <laughs> but that, that's all it is it's stand and some of the words yes. thrown there but yeah apart from that which may have been written in 10 minutes before it was recorded like it's there's a lot of fork on the lyrics and that's it's a shame about like stand is like the opener which sort of will set your expectations that's true, for the album. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I'll talk about this at, at the end on the running order of what I thought it should have been. But we'll, we'll get on to that in a bit. But I, you know, it's one of those songs that's in the middle of the album. You're not expecting much. And it, it surprises you, like lyrically and, and musically. Because it, it, you're right, it does sound quite a bit different from from every other song on this album. I don't know why they didn't make that single. I mean, I know that... Well, I guess they, they had to use Ozzy and I mean, the hell Hellraiser was going to give them money. Anyway. Yeah, they should have saved that for a, put it on a different album. Cashed in on it. That's I, my I opinion. don't know, because the next album's so good as well. <laughs> uh, speaking of so good, shall we do the next track? You better run. Yeah, man. Fucking heavy blues riff there. That's what I do I was 
blues man this I always make an effort to mention old blues where you say, well, what do you listen to? Uh, you know, this, 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 Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf as well. It's you, you can't fuck with that stuff. You know, it's 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 t- timelessly cool. And that, that song proves it. It's, like, I'm sure bands probably play like this, especially like rock and roll bands, just play it all the time, just in the studio and practice and there's a mm. good warm-up. Or it's just a variation of this, but <laughs> yeah. no one puts it on, no one puts this on an album <laughs> because it, it's been done and it's been done to death. But it is cool. It's fucking cool. Yeah, man. This I mean, this was coming out in 92 as well. So Terminator 2 came out around this time and that opens with Bad to the Bone. Oh, yeah. exactly just, the same. They were like, a lot of the blue stuff was around, based around like just that one dum-da-dum-da-dum and then they'd hire someone to write this stuff for yeah. them unless they were like one of those Delta Blues guys that were just terrible lives that they could sing about so they didn't have to pay someone to write this stuff. But it doesn't mean it ain't good, you know. It's still, still timeless. It's still about. Design slash and on this as got well. Got some slash in there as well, and they're doing like a, a dueling guitar kind of thing, but with mm. dueling guitar and bass. This, I don't, I couldn't pick a favorite lyric from this because they're all just they flow in together so well. It's, it's hard to this. It's been this song. A badass oh, blues, man. This, song. this song's been done on so many occasions. I have favorite lyrics hmm. as well from. Rick Mail's version he does with Jules Holland. YouTube that I'm evil. It's brilliant. So, well, by Bill Wyman's on guitar. But, but what about Matt? The uh, the other version of this song that was used in the movie, SpongeBob. Don't like that. You don't like that version. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's essentially the exact same song, but they couldn't use the last parts of the verse. Uh, I've seen Satan come, Satan coming, honey. Oh right, you'll probably know a bit more about this. Yes, they had to change it to, uh, what the, the whole thing? Uh, um, I'm talking in pictures and I'm ta- and I'm painting them black. I'm telling you, fish face you ain't never coming back, which I think is lovely. I think that's great fun. <laughs> there's, there's something to be said for the older version of it because it's when Lemmy's older and his voice is more gravelly, so it does sound a bit more it bluesy. Does, it does sound better. Like <laughs> yeah, there's there's more gravel to it, and it's something like you said. He, he's just done it because they paid some money and fair play to him you know it. it gets people listening to it in a whole different new generation you know it's that's part of their subconscious when they're growing up you never know I don't know how many fans they might have made off that Spongebob movie but they might you have never made know. some you never know I started listening to Motorhead because of WWE so you know here we are you know I didn't even like Triple H I still don't like Triple H but here we are great song uh, almost at the end of the album two more let's, let's keep plowing on man what's the next one Name in vain. Name in vain. Time to play the game. We're never going to get to review though. (laughs) It's it's a while away. memory of this song but listening to then I liked it I think it evokes like 
Bronze Age, like Fast Eddie. Yeah, it's definitely the quick riff, and then the strumming out the chords just for the pre-chorus and the chorus, and then kicking back in. But they do they do change it up. I like the I think it's on the third verse where they just cut the drums out and have the guitar like muted and picking the um picking the notes out and like you can imagine that like how that works live for just having the crowd like stamping or clapping or anything. I don't know if they ever did play it live at that point, but. But I, I like it. It's it's a good jumpy up and down yeah. song. That would fit well in the live set. That it's that was a good song. I'm gonna make it an effort to listen to this more. Put that in there somewhere. See, that's the thing. Like people get this album shit. I think it's it's not bad at all. It's no. certainly more memorable. I mean, it'll always be compared to 1916 because it was only the only other album that was released on Sony. Mm-hmm. But this is more sort of catchy, and you'd put this on more just to listen to just to listen to while you're doing sort of like out and about rather than 1916 which you might put that on to listen yeah. to it to as an the, album to get the concept but yeah this 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 good popcorn type of rock and roll <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that but having said that the last track which yeah. is five minutes and something it's called march or die and has a lot of experimental stuff which is apparently a nightmare to do because Lemmy had a, an idea as how he had how he wanted this, and he just couldn't really convey that to Pete Sawley, and uh, apparently this is where they clashed heads the most. I can I can see that. I Let's, mean, that's, I haven't listened to it for a week, but I can see that. Let, let me see if I can hear that as well. March or die. Why did you think people would listen to that though? It was so dull. <laughs> Musically, it was so dull. It, it is. It's it's trying to evoke, as, as you mentioned earlier, 1916, or on Nightmare the Dreamtime from 1916. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think that song particularly worked, but at least it has a few layers because, mm. like, you can go, oh, hold on, I wonder, I wonder what happens if we play this backwards. Yeah. And, uh, it's the secret message where there is there's some cool things going on lyrically but it's so because it because the drums are just the sound of someone marching it's so monotonous yeah. it's dumb i had this the secret dum, hope that after dum. the first verse it was just gonna go and then it would have worked fine you could use the same lyrics that's the problem with these up the temp for these songs they don't 
he seems to have an idea in his head and then it doesn't go anywhere. I mean, it works on Orgasmatron. Yes. It works, but it's almost trying to replicate that and it's just not working at this never, point. It never it works again. Just change up. Serial killer on Hammered, maybe I'll give you that. And Sam's like, oh, that's the weird song that works, but that's because it's quite short. <laughs> He was a dark poet, you know, he was like gothic poetry, but he didn't know he was a gothic poet, so this is how that expressed itself. There are, there are some, like, there's some mad imagery on this, and, like, lyrically, it is, it is up there, but it's just, it doesn't go with the music. It's Motorhead isn't, like, one of these arty sort of poets putting their craft to, mm-hmm. to CD and everything, or... I mean, it's all pretty much what you'd guess the lyrics for this. It is catchy, well, as clever as some of the lines may be, it's still not nothing that you need to commit to memory. You know, 100 statesmen deal in blood and lies, 100 million stifled cries, 100 million wasted lives already gone before. Yeah, it's good, but what have you done for me lately? You know, what's, what's different against that than the last one? Laugh and cry, laugh and cry. Bloody sunset drowns the sky. For Earth to heal, to heal, then we must die. No one deserves it more. Saying that we've got to commit ourselves to the Earth. I'd be concerned. To heal the world. I'd be concerned if someone said, "Oh yeah, my favorite song, March or Day." You'd be like, "The fuck is wrong with you?" And like, and like, and like that, just small verses. Like, yeah, to to fix this planet we live on, we need to die so our bodies can be broken down. To fix the problems with the world. Fucking hell. <laughs> what a depressing thought. Like, the only way we can sort, like, all the bad in the world is for everyone just to die. The last and one on the album as well, it. so that's what you're left with. <laughs> I know, it's such a depressing thing. I mean, I mentioned this earlier. Advised listening order for this album. Flip the sides around. Start with side two. Skip Mortar, Mortar or Die, and then put the first side on and listen to it through. Then you finish with um, Ain't No Nice Guy, which a bit depressing, but arguably but more enjoyable, surely, you know, more admirable than this as well. Arguably the best song in the album, but surely a more upbeat ending than this. Yeah, even now. <laughs> and just the the rep- the repetition at the end, just die, die, <laughs> die. Like, I I think I remember when I was, I was listening to this album, just going through the tracks individually, and I was doing it on YouTube because I didn't have the LP, well, I didn't have, I don't have a turntable in my car. It's, it's an older <laughs> car and it doesn't have these modern fangled gadgets and things. But I looked at the play or the, the scroll bar for it and he starts doing the die 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 and I looked at the thing and there's still like a minute and a half <laughs> left of this song uh, I can't really say that you much can't say anything good song. about that song really let's be honest lyrically it's good apart from that yeah but you can not, say that for everything that let me does exactly so but it's not he, the problem is he set his own bar too high it's not a song it's this is this is performance poetry, isn't it? Yes. It's, it's not. It's gothic poetry. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, kind of what Guar were doing. As like Otis Rungus was into like gothic, gothic, gothic fiction and you know gore horror stuff, but he we found a fun way to do it. This isn't fun. So that's the end of the album. That's March or Die. So, 
interesting thing to note. I, I think we forgot to mention it at the time, but we mentioned Tommy Aldridge playing and Phil Taylor coming back for a song, mm-hmm. but we have a taste of things to come with Mickey D. Mickey D on Hellraiser. Hellraiser, the fastest drummer alive. So Not on that song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's interesting to see where it'll go from there because obviously they, they were sold on Mickey by the time this came out because he's thanked as the drummer yes. on the album and he's in a band photo. According <laughs> to Mickey D, uh, Lemmy asked him to join Motorhead five times before this. Time, yeah, the time we just never worked out. So he always had an eye on him and it was just the serendipity of like, they needed someone new. He was done with, uh, what was that? He was docking and King Diamond. His merciful face. As merciful well, face. He, he said like he learned what he, what he could from that, but he was like a heavy metal drummer. He wanted to go do that and Motorhead was the place to go do it. And the rest, they say, is history. It's a good fit. It's a good fit. Yeah, apparently, he stayed apparently there for a long a time. We've <laughs> got one more album with uh, the Wurzel lineup, and that's that, isn't it? Um, he plays some stuff on Sacrifice. Well, we'll find out when we get there. What's next? Bastards. Bastards. Okay. Or if we want to talk about the more PC 2017 version, Death or Glory. Oh, is that why it's called Death or Glory? I don't know. I suspect. <laughs> because I've got for a while. I only bought the Death or Glory LP because it was record store day and I had some cash in my pocket. And then I got it home and I thought it was going to be like a compilation. But then I was looking at the track list and I was like, this is fucking bastards. <laughs> Just <laughs> this, bastards. Is, this is track for track, bastards. But yeah, we can listen to one of my LPs for a change next time. How about that? I do have a copy of Bastards. Well, we've all got copies of Bastards. <laughs> Which would have been a great name for this podcast. But it wasn't. It was called the Motorhead Monthly Podcast. The only Motorhead Monthly Podcast on the internet. Thanks for listening. There are more episodes in the archives. There's a Twitter, at Motorhead Monthly. There's an Instagram where we show you these uh, albums that we've been listening to. And there's also topartandcanes.com, the site where this podcast and many others are hosted. And topartandcanes on YouTube.com, where you might find some very good short movies that someone made that I hear are doing very, very well. They've been very good. Oh, yes, yeah, that's, that's what I hear so far. Anyway, okay, so that's the end of the podcast. See you next month. And oh, we can't play music because we played all the music. Okay, well, we'll just stop talking and that'll be the end of it. <laughs>